We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars in the moments that define their careers. From Holland to Zlatan to Messi to Rapino and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make this sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories from soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with a runway. What's up, everyone? This is Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason, the Bulls maybe have some basketball in their future and unfortunately still have Jim Boylan in their present. Uh, yeah. So what was this like last Thursday, right before the holiday weekend? Uh, a bomb from what was I think dropped the bomb, but I believe it was Jackie McMullen had the reporting about this alleged possible second bubble in our fine city of Chicago, of course, uh, which obviously just made me laugh right away. Like, uh, like the bulls are pushing for this so they can like have Jim Boylan coach during this thing. And uh, basically it was that the eight teams that didn't make the, uh, the the restart in Disney, the so-called delete eight, which obviously the bulls are a part of uh, would be coming to Chicago to form a quote unquote second bubble, uh, and like they'd have some like there'd be like a mini camp. There'd be like I think rumors of like four or five games. I think it was four games. This has not been agreed upon. This thing dropped on like Thursday or Friday, and I've like haven't seen any other news on it. Like watch that like news will drop like while we're recording here. But yeah, I mean, and so obviously as a Bulls fan, like the first thing I'm thinking of is just like God, no, why? Like and and then and then you immediately go to oh well, this is why like. Jim Boylan is still the head coach. Like there, th- these talks have probably been happening and like the bulls are like, Oh, well, we'd, we'd love to have this. We'd love to see Jim Boylan, like coach this team through a mini camp and the new front office would love to see like what he's all about. Cause that, I mean, that's been all the reporting out there is that, Oh, well, our church car and Mark Eversley, like they want to get to know Boylan. They want to like see him like coach the team a bit. And obviously whatever, if they actually did this, 
there'd be again let's be like a mini mini training camp or whatever some scrimmages some actual games i don't know if they'd actually be televised or not uh it was met with with obviously some mixed mixed bag like you would think like like if the bulls did this like would zach levine play like i don't think so like would a guy like chris dunn who we'll talk about a bit later like would he play considering he's about to be a free agent like i'm not really sure who would play like I would assume like veterans, like the Warriors, if they went like I think Bob Myers said that like Steph and Clay and Draymond would like would go, but they they probably wouldn't play any games. Like a guy like Blake Griffin probably wouldn't. I know some of the young guys like the Cavs and the Hawks, like they're young guys. Like they've been talking for this this entire time about how they want to see their young guys play together. And like Trey Young, I think said he would love to play. Like he's like I just want to hoop, but like just go, bringing it back to the Bulls, it's just like. I don't, I don't need this second bubble in my life. Like it already seems like there's gonna be enough issues with the first one in in Florida and Orlando with obviously teams, all these teams are shutting down their practice facilities because guys are testing positive. He'd have had the shutdown for like three guys. I believe the Bucks just did. Uh, I think the Kings just did the, I think the Clippers did the Nuggets did as well. All these teams have been shutting down the facility because of uh, the guys testing positive for COVID. Uh, So like they're going to have their own problems. I believe in the next like couple days here, teams are supposed to be heading to the bubble in Disney to start their training camp 2.0. It's like there's enough problems going on there to try to do this a second time uh, in Chicago for all these bum teams. Like I know again, like some fans and some of these teams might like it to have whatever, just some time for their young guys to get together. But like from a bulls perspective, I have no use for it. Like, I don't know like with these guys having, you can have their own, own little camp. I know. So I think, I don't know if it was a, a coach. I think Dwayne Casey or something in the article said that they were like the Pistons are pushing just to have their own mini camp. They can have it in their, their local cities. The bulls can do something together here at the advocate or whatever, and they could get their time in there, but just bringing all the, these bum teams together in Chicago for another bubble. just, I don't get it. And it just, it seems like it'll probably just extend the life of Jim Boylan as bulls coach. Yeah. The first question I had about this loser bubble is who does it benefit? <laughs> Now, the organizations in the Bulls, I think, have been at the forefront of this. Karnaschovas talked about wanting to get a loser bubble started, wanting to play scrimmages against the other teams who didn't make the Orlando bubble. He said that like a month and a half ago at this point, right? So I would not be surprised if it's the Bulls sort of pushing this. And the question is, who does it benefit? So I'm glad you brought it up in that intro. Like, would Zach Levine play in this? No, of course not. I would be sort of surprised if Wendell Carter or Lowry Markkinen would even play in this. To me, we're looking at something that probably is the equivalent of Summer League or maybe something, you know, a step beyond that. Uh, But given the date of when this is going to happen before the draft, before free agency, so you're not even going to be able to get a chance to look at the new, you know, whatever new pieces you have on the team. I just do not think this benefits the players whatsoever. Now, in Jackie McMullen's story, I thought it was very telling that all of the coaches quoted in that piece, what they really want is additional mini camps to try to get and work with their guys and, you know, like go over the type of things that actually helps you improve as a team from one year to the next. The holdup with that is apparently the union led by Michelle Roberts, which wants to have sort of uniformed protocols for the entire league, whether you made the Orlando bubble or you didn't, because, you know, two teams going to Orlando bubble are going to be there for three months going to the finals. So while I think like the intent of Michelle Roberts is absolutely correct, I wonder in practice if uh, that's really the best way to do it, because the minicamps to me 
would seem beneficial for the teams that don't make it. Absolutely. Perhaps they're too much of a competitive advantage over, you know, teams that are in the Orlando bubble for a while and that, you know, will be starting next year at a disadvantage just because there's not going to be a lot of turnaround time between the end of this season for the playoff teams and next season. But, you know, what would stand to benefit the Bulls the most, I think, is absolutely a training camp. Who wants to watch Bulls versus Cavs, Bulls versus Knicks? The only people who stand to benefit from this are owners trying to recoup some money if there's something like already in the TV contracts that the stations have to publish these games. Now, of course, like NBC Sports Chicago isn't running the summer league games. Those are on ESPN. And then if people like me and you want to watch those games, we're not in Las Vegas. You have to like buy a package through NBA.com, which I do like every year. And every year I tell myself like this isn't going to be worth it, but I always buy it. So I wonder if there is something in the TV deals where like if these games happen, they have to be televised. The owners are able to recoup some revenue. Otherwise, this doesn't benefit anyone in the slightest. I'm like trying to think of like one player who would benefit from it. Like maybe Kobe White gets to go through the motions half assed against the Hawks or something. But like in terms of actually making the team better, what these teams need is additional mini camps. Uh, And I understand why it's being held up right now from the union perspective. And I'm hoping the union ends up sort of nixing the loser bubble because, you know, just looking at the players involved in this and even a lot of the coaches, it's like, who stands to benefit from this? I I don't think many of them do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Like, again, like there are a few teams that have been pushing just to have that time and like, yeah. Okay. Like you said, get the mini camps with it and you can get that practice time, the extra practice time. And the Hawks, like I like the Hawks have like a ton of young players. They got Trey young, they got Cam Reddish, Deandre Hunter, John Collins, like, like I get, and they, and they just, and they traded for what was it? Clint Capella before the deadline. He like, hasn't played yet. So I get wanting like to get some time there. Get considering there is all this, this, uh, the big, big hiatus, like those teams, whatever they stopped in mid March, and then if you're not going to play, like if you're not going to get together that much until whatever next training camp in November, or whatever. Yeah, I get it. You want to have some time, and you want if you're not going to have a summer league, you can do something like this where you just get your guys together. But like, yeah, like if you're going to come together and like play like four dumb games against other bum teams, like again, like your main guys like, shouldn't play. Like, I wouldn't want them to play. Like I wouldn't want my guys to get hurt in a dumb, stupid second delete eight bubble. Like screw that. So like. I, yeah, and like I, I just I don't I know how much more playing games would actually benefit as opposed to just having the mini camp. I know you like you always hear like whatever the best chance to improve is like getting the reps in games, but like I feel like the sample size would be so small, it'd be such a weird situation, and just a few games like how much better can a player really be for just playing like twenty minutes in these stupid games? I don't know. So like I I'm when I saw this, I was just like, oh my god, this like why why is this happening like? And I thought I thought I had seen like it reported like right before this that this was not going to happen. They like wouldn't do like a tournament and it was getting shut down. I think it was somebody for I think it was, it was coming from a Knicks guy, which is hilarious because the Knicks like just didn't even bother. Like I don't, we don't want to do this. Like we're we're going to hire a coach. Uh, like we'll do, we're, we'll do our own thing. We'll do our own mini camp, and we did screw the second bubble. So like like you said, like the players still have, would have to sign off on this. Like there's nothing agreed upon here, but. So like I don't know if this was like a test run, just like see how the feedback here, how it would come. Because like like I said, there's been like almost nothing on this front since this initial report came out. So it's like maybe they like floated out there that 
this could be a possibility and there, maybe there was a lot of negative feedback and they're maybe they're trying to make tweaks so they're just not going to go ahead with it so like i don't know, really just really goofy stuff <laughs> yeah i have to think that all of the motivation is coming from owners the ownership side because yeah. i mean these teams have lost a lot of revenue i think yeah, you know yeah. a lot of businesses across the country have been affected by it obviously and a lot of people have been affected by it um but you know, in terms of helping the players, I just don't think it happens. And then, you know, if you want to spin this the other way, what where this could be beneficial is you get a look at a new coach. Sure. You know, leading your team in some action uh, and in, you know, whatever practice practices lead up to that. But instead, Karnaschovas and the rest of the Bulls brain trust led by the Reinsdorfs are apparently, you know, fine with keeping Jim Boylan and then evaluating Boylan during this loser's bubble. Now, Jason, how does this make any sense? Like <laughs> Karnashovis keeps preaching that he wants patience and he wants like thorough and thoughtful evaluation and he's not going to rush to any decisions and he's being lauded for this. But like, does any of that make any sense? Like Boylan's winning percentage is like, I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I think it's like 39 36- I think it's 39 and 84, something like that. Okay, I was going to say it was like 36, 37 percent. Yeah, it's something like that. All you need to do is talk to anyone around the league. All these coaches who got upset at Boylan for his ridiculous timeout usage for, uh, you know, just like generally the his dumbass comments and the way he led the Bulls or anyone on the on the actual Bulls team. She has. And you know that Boylan just is not fit for this position, dude. So Karnaschovas is sort of hiding behind this idea that he wants to give thoughtful evaluation. But dude, Karnaschovas, the reason that you're here is because the last season did not work out with Jim Boylan leading the charge. The old people running the team, John Paxson, that entire brain trust, which is largely still around besides for Gar Foreman. Gar was like the only person who got fired. I think Jim Paxson or John's brother is still around. Uh, I think that, you know, Brian Hagen's still around. It seems like the majority of the Bulls front office besides for Gar Foreman is still there. We know that those guys and we know that the Reinsdorfs love Boylan, right? Like, what did we hear uh, in the lead up to the front office change was like, well, the person who the Bulls hire will get, you know, they'll get to make the call on whether Boylan comes back. But Michael Reinsdorf is urging that person to give Boylan serious consideration. So first of all, what the fuck does that even mean? None of this passes the (laughs) sniff test at this point. Boylan objectively terrible. You know he's objectively terrible because Karnaschovas had to get hired. Karnaschovas wouldn't have been hired if Boylan in last season wasn't such a disaster. So the Bulls are totally hiding behind this because they are worried, I think, about paying another coach. And this was sort of not reported, but sort of speculated upon by Brian Winhorst at the national level from ESPN about a week ago. Then Mike McGraw from the Daily Herald chimed in and said the same thing. I went back just Googling, uh, you know, Karnaschovas' comments on Boylan from the last couple of months after he was hired. And even Tom Haberstrow from NBC Sports said something right after Karnaschovas was hired that people around the league are very interested to see if Boylan will be retained because they doubt the Bulls are going to want to pay another coach. Now, let's just be upfront about this. Jim Boylan is the lowest paid coach in the NBA. 
Yes, the Bulls would have to be paying two coaches if they were to fire him, hire a new coach, but just fucking do it, Bulls. Like, however many pennies you're saving, you're just ruining yourself in the public relations game, which you should finally be starting anew at after you hire Karnashov as hire Eversley. Finally, you fire Gar Foreman. Like, these are things to get the public on your side. But what we're seeing is this is the same bullshit as ever from the Bulls. Where now, like, even if they were to fire Boylan, do you really have any faith that they would be investing the correct amount of money in finding the best possible replacement? Or are they just going to lowball coaching candidates like they do every single year and worry about the bottom line more than, uh, you know, the ultimate success of the team? Because at this point, there is no reason for Jim Boylan to still be the head coach. I think every other head coach that is going to be canned which is basically just the knicks the knicks have already started their head coaching search you have other coaches around the league like brett brown who's going to be in the bubble with the sixers he might get let go but the bulls have an opportunity here i think to fire boylan and to just start turning the page towards next season but they don't want to do that for whatever reason the bulls aren't letting go of this past season which was an abject failure in every single sense. So the fact that the Bulls haven't fired Boylan, I think is absolutely asinine at this point. I think all of it comes back to money. I think that, you know, even if they do eventually do a coaching search, I no longer believe that they're actually going to search for the best candidate. Like, it's not like the Bulls are out there trying to hire Kenny Atkinson right now if they believe he's the best candidate. Instead, they're basically just trying to come up with all the dumbass ways they can salvage a little bit of revenue on the bottom line so this entire thing has become very very frustrating to to me and uh it reminds me of the old denny green quote from the bears about 10 years ago the bulls are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook when they hired kind of we thought things might be different but this is the same bullshit as always man yeah before i get into my take on this because you touched on a lot of stuff there and i was going to get into some of that as well let's take a quick word from our sponsor bet online there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, talking about Jim Boylan, why his ass has not been fired yet. We talked a bit about this goofy second bubble, how it seems like the Bulls might be waiting till that to give him a proper evaluation. Ricky brought up some of the stuff, some of the very troubling stuff. It's not even, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily reporting, like you said, that Brian Windhorst was on, I believe ESPN 1000, suggesting that the Bulls didn't want to fire Boylan because, uh, because he's because they don't want to pay another coach. And the, the, you mentioned the Mike McGraw thing about how, well, the Bulls have lost so much money because of the this the pandemic. And like now, so they're going to cheap out on a coach. I mean, and that's just, that this like you said, that's just total nonsense. Like this is a franchise that obviously before this, like, yes, we acknowledge that the pandemic has not been great, that the, there's obviously been loss of revenue with no games and there's all this stuff. I get it. Okay, fine. But I mean, just going back before this, the Bulls in recent years, especially the Bulls, Still raking a ton of money every year. They, their payroll has not been very high. They've paid the luxury tax what like once in the last how like maybe once or twice in the last how whoever knows how many years. It's not like the like 
firing Jim Boylan, like his one and a half, two million. I, like, I don't know exactly if we have an exact number on what Boylan's making, but it, it can't be any more than like 1.5 or 2 million a year. So like, not firing him because of that is nonsense. Like the Bulls have been paying multiple coaches for like a while. Like they were obviously like Fred's off the books, but like there have been other times in the past where like they've had the fire coaches and they hire another one, so they're paying two. But again, Boylan is one of the cheapest coaches in the league, if not the cheapest. And you're the Chicago fucking Bulls in the third largest largest market in the league. And if you don't fire Jim Boylan for financial reasons, like I don't know if that's worse worse than not firing him because he just sucks as a coach in general but like what what's what do you think be worse that they actually like his coaching or that they wouldn't do it because of because of money (laughs) right they're both awful but like like uh, financial reasons might even be worse just considering the franchise that they are like come on yeah they have raked in so much money leading the league first or second in attendance for all these years uh and to not fire Boylan because of money and i get that whatever you've taken a hit in the pandemic everyone has i mean Bulls grow up, like actually act like a real team. We thought that maybe this was happening when you hired Karnaschovas, but now if like, I'm wondering, is Karnaschovas totally handcuffed in what he's able to do? Because anybody who got hired to run the Bulls, literally the first thing you're doing is you're firing Jim Boylan. And, you know, like, I hate that me and you are in this position because I don't want to sit here being the guy who has to write another article saying fire someone. I know. No right? one likes <laughs> to do that. But this is obvious stuff. And the Bulls refuse to do it because they just want to save a little bit of money. Uh, that's probably the only reason. Like, if Karnaschovas really thinks that if he's really telling the fan base that he needs more time to evaluate the performance of Jim Boylan, I mean, he's full of shit. Like, I just can't take that. uh that at face value from him anymore because Boylan's obviously fucking terrible. So, and I mean, there's also reporting out there that from Joe Cowley for months now that players told them that the Boylan sucks. And like, obviously if players have told him that and just, if you watch games and like, and they, one of the things they like talked about was like accountability and like, they want to make the bulls like a, a, a destination again. And like, how do you hold whatever last season? like, Hold it, being accountable is firing Jim Boylan because the team was a complete joke when they were going to supposed to be when they were allegedly going to be a playoff team. So like holding somebody accountable for that failure is firing the head coach because they if you talk about how you think this team has young like legitimate young talent and they should have been better than they were well then I mean obviously you can't point to the injuries but Karnaschovas has said well no excuses okay so then you fire the guy that was in charge of them and bring in somebody new like there's just like it would obviously make more sense if like the Bulls were like okay and like. Like if Boylan just wasn't a total boob, but like the the track record is there. Like you can say the guy he whatever he cares about he cares about his players. Sure, whatever they did some okay things like defensively. They had some moments. Uh, we've obviously talked about. We thought that was a fluke, kind of just like a gimmick defense. Whatever they had some good things under Jim Boylan, but the whole track record going back to when he was first hired. Like he's been with this franchise now for how he came with. I think with Fred, he's been with. And for a while, the track record sucks. The the his actual record stinks. There was there, an almost a mutiny. There have been coach other coaches have been upset with him. Other like team like uh, other teams, other announcers, other players have mocked him. Bulls players have themselves have have expressed their dislike. So it's like, what else do you have to see? Like I know there's the whole thing about well, like Rick Carlisle and the coaches association. They don't like how the Bulls have treated coaches. So like the the Bulls are trying to just get like get good in them and like that will help them in the future. Like if they want to hire a good coach, but 
That's totally ridiculous. If you want the coaches association to respect you, fire Boylan, do a real coaching search and pay a good candidate actual money instead of trying to lowball everyone every time you first offer them a contract as a head coach. So all this is totally insane. I just remembered the athletic survey from the beginning of the season where the players said that Jim Boylan is the coach they'd least, least like to play for. So oh, yeah, Boylan's reputation right. is obviously terrible league-wide. And this isn't just some podcasters or bloggers saying it. It's like every single person associated with the league knows Jim Boylan is dog shit. So I just do not buy for a second that Karnaschovas needs to do some more thoughtful evaluation of Jim Boylan's tenure as the Chicago Bulls because every single number points to the fact that he's fucking terrible. In <laughs> fact, Karnaschovas, you wouldn't have your job if Boylan wasn't terrible. Right. So this and is like, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just fucking mad and it doesn't make any sense. And it's the same bullshit as always from the Bulls. I mean, nothing has changed, man. Like we, what, what did the fans say? The fans said fire Gar packs. What did the Bulls do? They promoted packs and they fired Gar. Okay. Whatever. I said at the time it wasn't good enough, and I honestly think it probably wasn't good enough. I know that we all got excited about Karnaschovas and about Eversley, and I know it's still going to be six months until the Bulls play another game. So really, like, what are we even getting so worked up about? But it's not just about bad results. And believe me, the Bulls have had fucking terrible results for the last four or five years, whatever it is. But it's terrible process, and this is terrible process. Fire your dog shit coach. Do an actual coaching search. Pay a coach a fair salary, a a fair wage, and instead they're not going to do this because they still need time to evaluate Jim Boylan, which is a joke. It's a slap in the face to the fans who are the people you should have been bringing back in with the hiring of Karnaschovas, and now you're just pissing it all away. I was was fine. Yeah, I was fine with them. I understood like the meet the face to face thing, whatever. Karnaschovas wanted to get in the building, meet face to face with Boylan. At this point, that was what a month ago. Like again, yeah. I, now, like, and I said, like, oh, I'm fine with it. They're going to be patient. They're going to meet Boylan face to face. Like, get some more feedback, and it would be maybe like a week or two, and then they'd fi- they'd make the decision and they'd fire him. Now again, we're like whatever three weeks to a month later, and now and now now it is like now it's just it's just like unfortunate because there were these good vibes about whatever hiring Karnaschovas. He seems like a smart guy. He's he's got a pretty good track record. Same with Mark Eversley. So like I don't I don't want to say I'm like out on these two guys already. Like they they still have a lot of work to do, and they might they might make some good moves. They might end up firing Jim Boylan finally. It's just like we just don't understand why it's taking so long. Like ultimately, even if they get to the point where they do fire Jim Boylan, like. It just doesn't really make much sense. If they Who knows? Don't. Maybe it does work out. Like, I, like what? It's just, it's just weird. It's just very strange at this point. Like, and I understand why people like why you'd be upset about it. If they don't fire Boylan before the loser That's, bubble, be I mean, what the fuck? And yeah. what are they waiting for? Yeah, that's like that's that's like that would just be a slap in the face of the fans. Like they they know the fan base doesn't want him back. He doesn't deserve to come back. And this kind of just goes back to like again, you talk about a coaching search. The Bulls haven't done an actual coaching search since hiring Tom Thibodeau in 2010. Like Fred Bay basically was a handpicked Gar replacement in 2015 after firing Tom Thibodeau, and then they didn't do a coaching search after firing Fred. They just gave it boil in the reins. 
And then they gave him an extension for no reason after last season. Last season was a disaster outside of one month. Uh, and then they give him an extension and a, a cheap extension, which, okay, if you're going to give them a cheap extension, okay, so that you give them that cheap extension, so then you fire his ass if this year is terrible. And here we're sitting here, this year was terrible, and he's still here. So it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the Bulls are who we thought they were, man. We've let him off the hook. But fortunately, this podcast is for people who love the Bulls so much they actually hate them. And so I'm sure that, you know, our list, most of our listeners will probably be receptive to this message. Fire Jim Boylan. It's been long enough. Like, this is insane. This should be over before we recorded the next podcast. But because of the reports this week... And because of all the speculation from national reporters and local reporters, I'm starting to think that Jim Boylan is still going to be around whenever this loser bubble, which is a terrible idea, comes to fruition. And it's just insane, dude. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, So I guess to finish up here, we obviously the last couple weeks have been going through we went through the core guys we did. We talked about Zach and Lowry. We talked about Wendell and Kobe. We figured we'd. Uh, go through kind of the rest of the roster. Maybe it's kind of rapid fire style. Just talk about kind of what what happened this past season, like kind of looking at why the Bulls stunk, and then just quick like looking ahead, like should they be on the team next year? Should they not? Why not? So we'll we'll go basically like rapid fire here. We want to we don't want to ramble about the rest of these bums on this roster. There are obviously a few keepers. There are a few decent players. Um, but let's 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 just talk about the rest of the roster real quick to finish up this pod. Let's start with Otto. Porter Jr., who we have obviously we talked we liked the trade when it happened. We talked about that. We I think believe coming into this season we called him the best player on the team, uh, and then the, the season was a disaster. He played nine games, hurt his foot, was out for four months, came back for five games. Uh, so he played fourteen games this year. He has a twenty eight point five million dollar player option for next season. So I mean, there is absolutely no reason he's not taking that, right? Uh, obviously, he's going yeah. to take it. And yeah, so like basically because Porter's going to be making so much money next year, uh, the Bulls really don't have a ton of their favorite word, flexibility, cap space heading into this offseason. But I mean, like the 10,000 foot view of Otto Porter Jr., which is a move I loved at the time. And Bobby Portis. Yes, I think that he can be good when he's healthy. He's absolutely the type of player the Bulls need for the team, just as like sort of a low usage offensive player who could stretch the floor, hit threes, add to the defense. Well, what did Porter end up playing? 14 games this year? 14 games. Just a disaster basically for him since he came to Chicago. No surprise because the Bulls have a long history of being unable to keep anyone healthy. Porter, of course, had a long history of injury issues before he even got to Chicago. The hip thing was even the start of the season. There was like rumors about his hip being an issue. And like, they were asking him about it. It's like, Oh no, it was, he started the year. Like his first, like five games, like his horrible first, like five games played into the, why the bulls started, whatever, like one and four and shitty teams was, he was terrible. And they were asking him like, like, how are you, like, are you okay? Like, is your hip fine? Is he, Oh, you know, I'm just like playing in the shape. Like, cause he did not, he was bad. He was starting to come around a bit. And then he got hurt. And then again, and then he stayed out much longer than I feel like anybody thought it was like when he first got hurt against the Hawks. So like, oh, he just like this, ho- this foot injury. And then just like, progressively, it was like worse and worse. Uh, and he just like, and he missed almost four damn months and he came back and he did not look like he was in shape. Uh, he played okay. Like if you look at his numbers, like his numbers are okay. And like he had some decent scoring rate, like his on off, like net rating was actually good, which kind of just shows you that like he is important. Like when he's healthy and when he's playing well, like the bulls, like didn't have a small forward like 
and he and he's an ideal fit there. He just can't stay healthy. He has some chronic possible issues. So like you got him on this player option, which he's almost certainly going to take like that. You're not going to commit. You're not going to sign him an extension. Obviously. I think you should probably look, see if you can get anything. He'll be an expiring contract, but like with all this uncertainty around the league, like who's going to trade, take Otto Porter, like, or give up anything for a guy who just played 14 games. I'm assuming you're probably stuck with Porter to start next season again. So that would probably mean no cap space. They'd have the Bulls would have to make other moves. Maybe he plays well enough where you deal him for something at the trade deadline. Uh, like I would hesitate to give him a long term deal. Like he would have to actually have like a full season to be healthy. Like it's it's just unfortunate because like you said, like and I and I said this as well. Like we both liked the trade when it happened. It seemed like it made sense to get rid of two guys who weren't part of Bufuccio and Jabari and Bobby Portis. And it just hasn't worked out. Unfortunate. You have any other Otto Porter thoughts? Or should we move? Yeah, on? Otto Porter's cool. I like Otto Porter generally. <laughs> I think in he seems like uh, like a fun guy to root for if he was actually healthy on your team. Yeah. He has a skill set that would help the team. But uh, Otto Porter, I don't hold it against you that you've been hurt. And actually, like you know, what could be better than not playing for Jim Boylan? So more power to Otto <laughs> yeah. Porter getting paid a lot of money and hopefully not having to deal with Boylan's garbage while he's been injured. Yeah, let's move on to Chris Dunn. Uh, I've not- been a very loud, like Chris Dunn, not not proponent of Chris Dunn in prior years. And because, I mean, he was just, as a point guard of the future, just terrible. He was a terrible offensive player. He can't shoot, couldn't finish. His defense, I feel like, was overrated. The season he turned in, it was cut short because of uh, a knee injury. He, he always gets hurt all the time. Here's just another problem. But he was legitimately one of the best players. Uh, perimeter defenders in the NBA this season you get look about a ton of different stats if you look at like RPM if you look at I think like BPM if you look at like Raptor on 538 uh he's like up there and like and some of like the steel and like hustle stats like he ranks towards like in like the top five and even like best in the league in some of these stats legitimately one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and it was he was one of the reasons why the Bulls actually had a decent defense there for a while because of all the turnovers they were forcing he played a big role in that but, I mean, obviously his three-point shooting is still an abomination. He still doesn't really get to the line at all. He actually did finish a bit better around the rim this season, so that helped bump his – he finally got his true shooting percentage up over 50% this year. Still, de- It was still bad at, like, 50, 51%, but he finally got it up there because he was able to finish a little better. Um, and one just big thing here, which could be a, play a big role in his future, his qualifying offer went, was going to be $4.6 million because he didn't reach enough starts to re- reach the starter criteria. Since th- – because of the the hiatus and the season getting cut short, the way it was prorated, his qualifying offer goes from four point six to seven point one million. Given the fact that he's set to be a, uh, a restricted free agent, assuming the Bulls extend that qualifying offer, like I don't know with with so little cap space out there, with with all the uncertainty, like I don't think anybody's giving Chris Dunn like a good long term deal. I feel like there's a decent chance he comes back on the qualifying offer of, of one year seven point one million. If he does play on that, he can veto trades. I would be fine if he came back on just that one-year deal. I don't want to give him any long-term money. Just like I don't want to give basically anybody else long-term money on this roster that is eligible for it. But like if he's out here back for one year, seven point one million again, really wouldn't really affect the cap space much. Like I feel like maybe you can end up trading him again. He can veto a trade, but like I feel like he's worked his value up enough where like if you want to give him one more prove-it deal, sure. The Bulls could just decide maybe they want to move on. Maybe they just want to make him an unrestricted free agent. They don't have to give him that qualifying offer, or they could end up pulling it down the road. But I feel like there's a decent chance he takes that one-year $7.1 million hit unrestricted free agency in 2021. What are your thoughts on Chris Dunn? Do you want him back qualifying offer? Do you want him back at all? Would you give him any long-term money or match if he signed an offer sheet? What do you think? Man, 
like my main takeaway is just like who cares? Because like whenever the Bulls are going <laughs> to be a good team, I really don't think Chris Dunn's going to be a part of it. If I were Chris Dunn, I think a one year deal is a smart move for him because everything around the league is going to be in flux uh this off season so i think you know if you could take a uh, seven million for one year is a pretty good payday enter the market after that he did establish himself as one of the premier perimeter defenders in the league as you noted so uh do i want chris Dunn back like i'll take him back for a year but it's just hard for me to think that you know having him on the team is going to you know if he's still going to be, be still going to be a piece of the team when the bulls are good again. So I think that like Chris Dunn is a sign of the last era of the franchise, which was a big failure. Chris Dunn was a piece that came back from the trade that made the team a failure. So (laughs) I like Chris Dunn. I enjoy watching Chris Dunn. I think that, you know, his, the bulls were awful defensively without him. And with him, there were times when they looked like a top 10 defense. And he was really the one guy on the team who was fit to play that ultra aggressive trapping style that Boylan was deploying. So Chris Dunn definitely deserves a place in the league. He's not a very good offensive player. Absolutely elite perimeter defender. It's going to be a test case of the Jabari Parker saying, which is that players don't get paid to play defense. Well, no one's paying Chris Dunn to play offense. So it'll be very interesting to see what his ultimate payday is. Someone like Marcus Smart, I believe, also becomes a free agent on a similar timeline as Chris Dunn. Uh, so, you know, those two guys could be going at it. But yeah, like I would bring back Dunn for $7 million on the qualifying offer if you can. Otherwise, I mean, Shaq Harrison probably gives you 80% of what Chris Dunn gives you, right? Yeah, I was going was, to... Yeah, I was going to go into – I was going to bring up Shaq next just because I think they're kind of tied. So, like, if you decide – like, they're both, whatever, defense first, offense is terrible. Like, Shaq Harrison has a $2 million qualifying offer. Like, maybe you just try to bring back Shaq and you let Dunn walk. Like, I, like if you bring both guys back, like, yeah, those are two, like, good defenders, like, off the bench, ideally. But, like, do you want two guys who basically do the same thing on the roster? Like, obviously, they're, they would both be pretty cheap. If it was both – if they, like, both sign their qualifying offers, like, fine – but yeah, like ultimately, I feel like that's a situation where you could probably just get checked for cheaper and you let Dunn. I guess I'd be fine with Dunn coming back because I think you could possibly get value in a trade, even if you can veto it. Like, I don't know if he would actually do that. Like, he could probably he'd probably be thrilled with a fresh start. So, like, I guess if you had to pick one out of the two, which what would you do? If like you had to pick Shaq or Dunn to be on the roster next year, who are you take? I uh, probably Dunn. But like Shaq's probably the better like money play, the better value play, yeah. but. Uh, I mean, I don't fucking care about the Ryan Storrs money. So <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I think that's totally fair. I mean, Shaq, I think Shaq Harrison plays his ass off. I, I give him a lot of credit. Like, if he's, like, your 13th or 14th man, like, to come in and give you energy if you need it, great. The problem is, like, the Bulls end up, like, paying, like playing him and, like, Arch. Like, Arch is the same way. I'll, I'll bring him up now. Like, Arch, he, ta- he plays hard. He shoots pretty well from three. He takes a lot of charges. The problem is, like, Arch and guys like Arch and Shaq have just been playing so many minutes the last couple of years for, like, you want those guys as like your 13th and 14th men or like 12, 13, 14 men. Or like you, if you need like, need a boast of energy, Arch is like a third, your third point guard. Shaq Harrison is like an emergency, like defensive guy. Great. But the, these guys have like just been playing, ended up playing way too much. It was like the injuries have obviously hurt. So it's like, they just have these guys at the end of the roster. Like Arch is, Arch has another like two years on his deal. I know his third year is a team option, but like, I don't know why they gave him a three-year deal. Even though he's like a decent player and he like, fan favorite type of guy because he's that just little white guy little gritty guy but like i don't know it just it just seems like it's just like almost like totally irrelevant like you kind of said like who cares about chris dunn and it's like yeah like 
Like, who really cares about the, these guys at this point? Uh, let's move on. Just, like, again, who really cares? And I mean, a lot of the rest of these guys, who really cares? But we'll, we'll bring them up at least, <laughs> at least, to, at least to go, go through this. We'll mention the last the last uh, restricted free agent. That's Denzel Valentine, another basically another who cares guy. $4.7 million qualifying offer. He's got skills. We've seen him have some big games, but he was obviously in and out in Jimbo's dog, doghouse. I feel like the Bulls aren't even going to offer that qualifying offer, and he's just going to go elsewhere. What do you think? Uh, can you repeat that one more time? I'm sorry, it was cutting out. Oh, sorry. Denzel Valentine's qualifying offer is $4.7 million, uh, and like restricted free agent. Like I think that the Bulls won't even offer that, and he's just going to become an unrestricted free agent and get a fresh start. I feel like he's needed a fresh start for a while. Yeah, if I'm Denzel Valentine, I would definitely want to change franchises. I would be surprised if the Bulls offered him a $4 million deal. Yeah, I think that he is going to be in for a change of scenery, and it will be very interesting to see if Denzel Valentine can salvage his NBA career and become a success somewhere else because, uh, you know, the Bulls invested a first-round pick in him, but Boylan was very quick to write him off. I actually thought that that was kind of funny as someone who soured on Denzel myself, but, you know, Denzel does have the ability to dribble, pass, and shoot, and the Bulls were in dire need of players with those skill sets last year. Boylan refused to give him a chance, playing three-point guards constantly instead of uh, getting Denzel on the floor. So I think the Bulls do not offer the qualifying offer to Denzel. I do think he walks. Uh, and I mean, you know, just another busted first round pick from the guard pack yeah. administration that we'll be able to name in our in our book someday. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could argue that if they assuming they do actually fire Boylan, <laughs> knock on wood, that maybe Denzel would get an opportunity. But like, again, at this point, it's been what, four years for him. Just, he, I think he just needs a fresh start. He was obviously very frustrated last season with everything. Just like get a fresh start. Just so you can cycle through some different guys towards the end of the roster if you really like. Uh, let's move on to like the the main guys that the Bulls acquired last offseason. Uh, that's Thad Young, Tomas Sadoransky, Luke Cornett. I would say all three guys were disappointments. Yep. Thad Young struggled to start the season. He was upset with his role. Uh, there were he was on the trading block. He still has two years left on his deal, about twenty-seven million, only six million guaranteed on the final season. But I mean, him. I mean, Sadoransky the same way. Like I think, I think we we both like the these moves. They seem like since the Bulls weren't really in the market for big stars, that they they identified some veterans that seemed like they fit. Thad Young was a really good play. He's been a really good player for his whole career. He had a really excellent season with the Pacers. And he was a veteran, a two-way player. He brought, brought toughness. It just did not work out. Kind of same with Sadoransky. Like, we thought he'd be a nice fit next to Zach Levine with his three-point shooting and his smart passing. Uh, he he was, like, a pretty smart passer, but his three-point shooting cratered for, for the season. Just lack of dynamic play, I think, hurt just the offense. Just, he just can't really do that much off the dribble. Uh, he's got two more years left on his deal, kind of similar to Thad. He's got $5 million guaranteed on the final year, but he's going to make $10 million next year. Uh, I feel like him and... Young are both guys you should probably put on the block. Again, I don't really know what you can get for those guys. Like you're, I can't see a team trading like a first round pick for either of them. But like, see what you can get. Maybe cycle. Maybe sign some new veterans for the team. Like, I would, I would get. I, I guess I would guess maybe one of them gets traded. I'd be surprised if both get traded. But I don't. know. I just don't know what you're really gonna get back for these guys at this point. Like I said that Thad was on the was on the block. There were rumors about the Clippers. The Clippers ended up getting one of the Morris twins instead. There really wasn't much about Sadoransky, but like, I like theoretically, these guys seem like good signings. They just didn't work out. Cornette again was also terrible. He ended up having like sinus obstruction surgery, I believe, and he was a terrible fit for the defense they were trying to play. He didn't shoot that well either. So just like he's gonna be super cheap. So like if he's back as like a fifth big next year, like whatever. But like all three guys disappointing. 
No doubt. Totally agree. I'll start with Sadoransky because, you know, the thing, the, sort of the book on Sadoransky coming from Washington is that he just wasn't a very aggressive player. He was someone who was content to sort of blend in, into the background instead of trying to stand out. Uh, during his time with Washington, he never had a usage rate that even hit 14%. This year with the Bulls, he hit 16.5%. Uh, but I would say, like, the difference was not noticeable in that he very much lived up to his reputation of being someone who blends in instead of stands out. I would love to see Sadoransky with a usage rate over 20 because I did feel like there were times when he was a pretty decent player. You mentioned his shooting fell off, only hit 32% of his threes this year. But before that, he's always been like a career 40% yeah. three-point shooter. Uh, I think that the Bulls could have done really well to actually let him handle some offensive playmaking duties instead of just giving the ball to and letting him jab step for 18 seconds on the shot clock. But for whatever reason, that never happens with Thomas Sadoransky. He always just sort of is a guy who is very, very, very low usage. And, you know, while I do think that, like, his size, his positional versatility, he was even playing some small forward for the Bulls this year, it's 6'6", could help a lot of good teams, or 6'7", he even is. Uh, it's like, who really wants to pay a backup point guard $10 million when you can find a backup point guard for a lot cheaper than that? who puts up pretty comparable impact numbers. So I would say Sadoransky was a big disappointment, but I still like, you know, it's easy to see why we, why people thought that was a good signing. It just sort of blew up in the bull's face in large part because their infrastructure and their culture was so bad from the very beginning that uh, I never, I just, it just felt like these guys who were brought in to sort of like overhaul the losing image of the bulls. They just never even got the opportunity to do it because Boylan was such a bad coach because the schemes were ridiculous because everyone got hurt 10 games into the season. And this thing just never got off the ground the way they intended it to. So I totally agree with you that, you know, from Sadoransky to Thad, who was unhappy the entire year. The Bulls tried to make him a spot-up shooter instead of someone who was attacking the basket in like a roll-man scenario out of pick-and-rolls. Like, everyone was misused. Cornette, too. Luke Cornette blitzing on defense instead of dropping back to protect the rim. I mean, like, a baby should be able to tell you that that's not going to work. But Jim Boylan still wanted to do it, so... None of these guys were put in position to succeed. I think that we thought that they would kind of change the culture of the team by just bringing in some quality veterans. That didn't happen. Instead, the culture of the team was so bad, it weighed these guys down and basically totally diminished their value. Same story for the majority of the rosters that basically everyone who came into last season left it with less value league wide than they started it with. And that is just so damning from the Bulls from top to bottom somehow, uh, you know, there still haven't been wholesale changes on the Bulls. So in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I mean, with, and with that, with Thad, too, he came out, even said, like, that he basically kind of admitted that, like, they told me something different when I... Because he was like, they signed him, they agreed, he agreed to a deal right away. Like, right when the moratorium started, when free agency opened, like, he was, they, like, locked him up right away. And then he came out later in the year, was like, yeah, like, they basically told me something different than my role would be different in free agency. So they basically, like, lied to him for the, for the most part. They lied to him how he'd be used. Again, just, just not a good look at all. So, yeah, like, I... I, I, who knows if they could get anything of value? Maybe, maybe this roster does just mostly stays the same. Again, you fire Jim Boyle and get a new coach to maybe build some of these guys back up. Maybe you then end up trading them at the deadline or something and do a bit more of an overhaul. But yeah, just make some sense. Let's finish up with a couple, a couple young guys here. We had Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hutchinson. Daniel Gafford was a rookie, did not play much to start the season. Was Jim Boyle and like we saw again, Luke Cornett was awful to start the season. Terrible fit for the she- the scheme that. 
Boylan wanted to play, but then he would not play Daniel Gafford that much. And I think it, it took until like Hornet needed that surgery and was out and Gafford finally started to get some minutes. Uh, and he showed some nice things for, for a rookie second round pick. Uh, he can dunk the shit out of the ball. He can block shots a bit. He can't do much else offensively. He can't really do anything outside of the restricted area. He does foul a lot, but I mean, that's going to happen with the young rookie. But like, I kind of like Daniel Gafford. I like, if you want to look for like one little positive, like I thought he had a pretty solid rookie season, all things considered. So I like him as like your, as your backup center moving forward, I guess. Like if Cornette's around like him and like base, you could probably just kind of do it based on matchups, depending on the look you want to throw. If you want your rim runner, rim protector, Gafford's there. If you want to, if you want to play five out and have Luke Cornett trying to stretch the floor, you could do that. Like I think you could, that kind of works. Um, Chandler Hutchinson, another injury plagued season, both first two seasons of his career, uh, just injuries have been brutal. There was all the weird injury stuff this season where Boylan was kind of like trying to get him to play through it, like pushing it. He's got to tough it out and all that kind of crap. Like, uh, like, like Hutch has shown some decent things as like a defender. Uh, he can get to the line occasionally. He's not a good free throw shooter. He's a terrible shooter in general. Like he's shown some skills. He certainly, I certainly am not going to call him young Pip like uh, Stacey King likes to do. But like there was like a possible decent player there, like at least a decent like bench wing. And like we know one of the bull, big bulls issues has been just a lack of wing depth. So like him being hurt has been a problem, but like there's an opportunity there possibly to at least if he can stay on the court to at least be at least wing depth, the bulls as a guy, even if he can never shoot, like he's long, he's pretty athletic. He can defend. And if you can get to the line, like almost like, almost like Jim, when Jimmy Bullard started his career, he couldn't really shoot. He wasn't that good offensively, but he could get to the line and he could defend like crazy. Like, obviously I'm not saying Chandler Hutchinson is going to turn into Jimmy Butler and what he became, but like, if he could at least be that kind of player, like what Jimmy Butler started as, like there's a, that's a decent role player in there. So it'll be interesting to see, like, I would assume that they will exercise his team option. Uh, they could decide not to and just let him walk. Like, who knows? Maybe they just don't think he's, this new regime just doesn't like him at all. And they could just let him walk after, uh, that'd be for his fourth season. He's obviously on the team for next season, but they might not just, they might, he might need to go into a proven year next season. But uh, thoughts on those two young guys. Well, if you want to talk about who the loser bubble could actually benefit, I think those yeah. two guys are sure. the only two guys on the roster who really come to mind, who could benefit from it. Of course, Chandler Hutchison will probably just get hurt because he's been made a glass up to this point. I like watching Chandler Hutchison play a lot. He had a game against the Pacers this year where he just totally went off in the first half. I think he scored 15 points, looked really strong attacking the basket. Obviously, he has some length and some agility defensively where he's able to make a little bit of an impact there. So the Bulls should be investing. They should have been investing everything they could from the moment they drafted Chandler Hutchison, gave him the promise before they even drafted him. They knew they were going to take him. To just develop his shooting, because if he could shoot at just an average NBA level, he'd probably be a really good player. If you could just get him to shoot slightly below average, he's still useful. Uh, But his jump shot is totally broken. It's, you know, you can see it in the free throw percentage. You can see it in all the shooting splits. It's so slow. His release is the slowest release in the league. At least one of them. It's just it's brutal to watch. Yeah. So, you know, you have to. Try to do whatever you can to overhaul that guy's jump shot. And if you can, I think he could be a decent player. Gafford was really fun. And I think that Gafford looks like a potential hit on a second round pick just by being a guy who can run and jump at center. When you're seven feet tall, you can move the needle a little bit doing that. So I like watching Daniel Gafford play a lot. I think that, you know, these two guys next year will be sort of the fun 
developmental guys on the team. But of course, Hutchison isn't even that young anymore. What is he now? Probably 24 or 25 because he was yeah. here in college. Uh, so, yeah, like I'm definitely interested in seeing these two guys continue to grow. The Bulls just have not had anyone sort of like claw their way up from being a developmental guy to being actually good since Jimmy. And of course we know the bulls get no credit for Jimmy's rise. Jimmy gets all the credit himself for that. So, uh, you know, I guess I'll sort of believe it when I see it as to if either of these guys can be, you know, impactful players for the franchise long term. but they both have some potential and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty interested to just monitor their development. And to wrap it up here, we have Cristiano Felicio is finally in the last year of his terrible deal. That did, uh, he's obviously I, I I don't know if you could trade him. Uh, you don't want to keep like six big men. Like he'd be like the fourth center. Maybe you can dump him. Maybe you I, I, you're not going to like stretch his contract. That like that'd be a waste. Who knows what happens there? But he's bad. It's so sad. Chris Big Chris seems like such a nice guy. Uh, unfortunate, but he's just trash. Just sad. And then there's hey, there's Adam Makoka, our two way guy. If they maybe that'll maybe that's what the uh, the second bubble would be good for. Was finally drawing up those plays for Adam Makoka. Maybe Boylan would probably love it. That's funny. I'm actually interested to see Makoka play a little bit more too because he had some good moments in the G League. Uh, I, he had like one end of game situation. I'm blanking on the opponent, the Pelicans. Yeah, where he yeah. like really got hot in the last like two minutes of the game. So Makoka, I mean, why not? Like he seems pretty athletic and he seems like he could shoot. So maybe he can potentially fit a mold of a three and D guy that would be awesome if they can like actually develop some of these fringe guys into being useful players throw Makoka in there with Chandler Hutchison and with Gafford too and they got Makoka as an unsigned free agent uh or undrafted free agent I should say so I do think he's interesting actually I'm like sort of excited to see Adam Makoka I would have been excited to watch him in summer league which should be going on right now if the world is currently burning uh but yeah, I mean, you know, th- that's another guy who I still think there's some hope for. Big Chris, there's no hope for Big Chris. But the good <laughs> news for him is that he should have enough money to keep him financially set for the rest of his life. I hope yeah. he's being responsible with the coin and uh, good for him. He got paid. He took Jerry Reinsdorf's money. More power to him. Secure that damn bag from Jerry Reinsdorf. Love it. Even if it did not work out at, at all for the Bulls. Uh, that basically wraps us up here. Uh and that's basically the last three weeks. We've obviously just gone over this whole Bulls roster. Uh, obviously, is not great. There, I think there's still some promise there. As we mentioned for the first half of this podcast, just fire the damn coach, and maybe we'll get a real coach in there, uh, and maybe mold some of these guys, some of these young guys, some of this core, some of these at fringe guys into actual useful players on a team that's not completely awful. Maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll see if there's any more news on the second bubble coming out in the next week. Maybe they'll actually, maybe, maybe they'll, every week we say maybe they'll actually fire Jim Boylan. I'm not counting on that given this whole news of the second bubble, but maybe there'll be more news coming up. Uh, but besides that, we're going to have to f- find some other things to talk about. We will figure it out though. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously keep bringing you cash considerations uh, up until there's actual bull stuff happening again. But uh, as always, uh, shout out to Blue Wire. Shout out to our, our new soccer show, Golden Goal. We got Greg Olson in on, we've got, uh, has a new podcast. We have a bunch of other athletes to come and Cubs, uh, utility guy, Ian Happ, just a ton of, ton of great podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. We're growing. Uh, we, and we've been just trying to, trying to make this, all this, this whole pandemic easier. Obviously, we'll see with 
what's going to happen with sports possibly coming back in the next few weeks. We'll see what happens with baseball and basketball. Uh, who knows? It's going to be wild for us. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Uh, as always, rate and review us. Hit us up on Twitter. You guys know where to find us. Our pod is on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, all those places. And then one final shout-out to Bet Online, our great sponsor. They've been with us for a while now. So, for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys later. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.